welcome back to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast, Season 6, Episode 3. If you guys are interested in giving back to the Reps for Responders nonprofit, please visit our website at www.repsforresponders.org. We have a donation page, and we also have a merchandise page. Every merchandise that is purchased, a portion of the proceeds goes back to our nonprofit. In this episode, we had the honor and privilege to sit with Aaron Lohman, a.k.a. Huge Fat Loser, who is a sergeant with the NYPD. He breaks down what the health and wellness unit is, and also if a cop does ask for help. He also opens up about his own journey in mental health. This episode could save a life, and it could end up saving your life, so please pass it around. If anyone ever needs anything, never hesitate to reach out to myself, Aaron, or Jason. We are here to help and only want you guys to be the best version of yourself. So gear up, shield up, get those swords out, and travel through the labyrinth with us. All in. We are now live. Welcome back to Inside the Labyrinth podcast. Season 6, episode 3. Stay after Christmas. I can hear Santa Claus getting those games already. And he's waiting another 364 years to get after it. 364 days to get after it. Very excited for today. Again, my name is Frank. Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all over the place. Find us on Instagram. Rest for Responders. Powered by Rest for Responders Nonprofit. And I'm going to kick it over to my man, the one and only Real Jumpman Jay. Jay, what's going on? Was Santa good to you yesterday? Yeah, man. Uh, Santa was great, man. Just just happy to be back in the lab and, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, to today's episode. God, I got one of my faves in the building today. So uh, this is going to be a good one, man, because this dude uh, always keeps you on your toes. Uh, he doesn't hold any punches. He's a straight shooter. So uh, I, I've been on a few podcasts with this dude already. So I kind of I kind of know how the banter is going to go. So uh, I'll I'll let you uh, bring in our, our guest, Frank. It's my honor. We're gonna get our swords up, put our get a, get our shields and put our armor on, and uh, introduce our boy Aaron, aka Huge Fat Loser, who was our very, very, very first guest. First guest back, ever. Back in uh, <laughs> April or May of 20, uh, 2021. It might even be March, but our first guest ever on our podcast. So now we're bringing him back. So Aaron, Merry Christmas. How you doing? And uh, welcome. Merry Christmas. I'm always happy to be here. I think you guys built me up way too much. I'm really not that cool. Uh, you know, but uh, thank you. I, listen, I, I love talking to you guys. I love doing this podcast stuff. Whenever anybody asks me to do a podcast, I always love getting on and talking, like shooting shit, man. Because, uh, you know, people listening, it definitely helps them out to hear people who think like they think. You know, I know a lot of times I like, Sometimes I think I'm going nuts and I'm like, what the fuck? And then I hear other people talk, I hear you guys talk, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not alone out there because, you know, shit's crazy for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, the world's changing, man. You know, like, uh, you know, COVID's here to stay. It ain't going away. And uh, it's kind of changed the face of how we do things on a, on a day-to-day basis. And that, oh, yeah. that's from everything from how we, you know, do things outside of the home. Um, including the things that we do at work. So, uh, like, how is, um, because I know last time we spoke, um, COVID wasn't as prevalent as it is right now. Like, how how has COVID uh, changed, like, what you do on a day-to-day basis? 
Oh man. Um, so before I got there, right before COVID started, I got there in January and COVID hit in March, right? So January, March, yep. uh, me and Chris got there the same day and, uh, we both tried to hit it heavy and try to hit it hard right away. We were hitting it hard for like two months and then every plan, every program that we had got shut down. Um, and then we went virtual for a while doing different things like meeting one-on-one -on -one in person, trying to keep people motivated and keep people healthy. I mean, during the pandemic, I think that's one of the most important things that has been highlighted through this is the importance of health um, and the lack thereof within a lot of the first responder community. And um, I think that's what we try to do virtually through our virtual programs and stuff. But like, let's face it, it's not the same as like getting in, in, you know, in with somebody. Thankfully, within the, the department, a lot of the gyms stayed open during COVID. So I was able to go there and meet people and help people out and try and coach people and train them through like certain things. Plus, I would go around the commands and stuff. But um, it's been difficult. I'll tell you that right now. And then, like, right when we were about to get stuff back going up again, they last week said that there's no more in-person group meetings or trainings anymore. So uh, it's going back the way it was. So uh, hopefully this time it doesn't last as long as last time. But all you can do is just try to keep pushing forward and try to keep doing whatever you can do because uh, the health of us in general is, uh, you know, it needs to improve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's almost it's like ebbs and flows, right? Every time a new variant comes out, they they have some new, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's like uh, new orders come down where you know uh, for a set amount of time you can't you know enter or exit a building without a mask. Um, yeah, you know, it's just it's 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 frustrating because right when you feel like you start to get a little bit of leeway, you know, they, mm -hmm. there's there's another obstacle. Um, you know, in front of you, but, you know, we appreciate you for what you do for, uh, you know, you know, the, those offices out there, because I think right now more than ever, I think cops need this, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I think a lot of guys get lost in the sauce because, you know, this is a stressful time, you know what I mean? Like, and then when you're trying to gather your bearings, something is, you know, putting your way, like I said, like another variant comes out and it's like, you know, are we facing another potential lockdown? Um, you know, how much is work going to change? You know what I mean? So like you guys play an important role. And I, and I always tell people, you know, especially cops, like I shouldn't say I always tell people, I always tell cops, like we take our health for granted. You know what I mean? Like we go to work, right? You kind of go through the motions and people normally don't want to change until something forces them to change, you know? And you guys are kind of, you know, you guys are the catalyst of, of putting things in motion where, hey, you know, is everything right from like, you know, from the, from your head down to your heart? You know what I'm saying? Like, because if your mind's not right, your soul's not right. Right. And then, you you know, everything else kind of follows suit, you know, it, yeah. a, a unhealthy mind leads to an unhealthy body. So um, just explain to our listeners exactly what like what your unit does and and like what role does, you know, Aaron Loman play? I like I like that, Jay. Because Aaron, I was about to say that I don't think a lot of they see the post. I don't think a lot of cops know the confidentiality, the confidentiality part, Aaron. And I think that would be a huge way to get that out more and to be like really, it's and correct me if I'm wrong. It's a little separate from the old school way, you know. Yeah, because yeah, right, people so ask me questions and I don't know shit, so that's why I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, 
you know, I'm, I want to throw it to you because, like, you know, people think I have insight to it. I said, I don't got no insight to it. I said, I know Aaron, but, you know, I could point people in the direction. I just don't have the, the information. You know what I mean? So, this is what I always tell people. Uh, our unit was, like, this unit didn't come out of nowhere. It wasn't like, hey, the police department decided that they were going to care. Uh, it wasn't like that. So, in August of 2000 and it, 2019, when the police department had 10 suicides, including a chief, uh, Letitia James, the attorney general said, no, the police department has to do something about this. So they mandated that this unit be created, right? Um, so they created this unit, but because they, you know, they had finally were forced to realize that the things that they were doing were not correct. They weren't doing things the right way. And it was leading towards uh, an increase in suicides, decrease in mental health, and that the overall health of police officers in the department was not good. So they started this, they brought on my CEO and a couple other people initially at the beginning. And then when they started filling the positions, they reached out to me and I didn't want to do it at first, honestly, because it just, I didn't want to go inside, you know how it is. You know, I was already doing this stuff as it was on my own anyway, but they brought me there actually, interestingly enough, not to be the physical fitness person that I am now, but they brought me there to be the peer support coordinator for the department. So I do both things. I do the peer support coordination for the entire department. I coordinate the peer support program, which is pretty much somebody, at least one person, uniformed and civilian in every command, that they're the person in the command that people look to for resources. If they're feeling some type of way, or you know, if they wanna go get help, if they wanna do something, that's the person in the command that's supposed to be, they go through a four-day training of skills at, and they learn about resources and all this stuff. So they know how, they, they will, we literally run scenarios in the thing where we ask other cops that we don't even know in the classroom, like, are oh, you thinking about killing yourself? And just getting over that, like, because it's uncomfortable to ask somebody that question. And if you've never asked somebody that question before, even in a scenario, it's tough. Let me, let me tell you, it's tough. Frank, I'm sure you know big time. So, they go through a four-day thing, and um, after that, they, they you know they provide the people in the command with resources, uh, and it's 100% confidential, right? Just like the employee assistance unit. If you were to ask me five years ago to go, well, back then it was early intervention. You would ask me to talk to them about anything. I would have said absolutely not because we listen to other cops talk shit about these units, and we really have no idea what they do. So mm -hmm. five years ago, I would have been like, no way. They're definitely telling somebody. But now working there and knowing what I know and seeing what I see, it's definitely confidential. Like, I have people who reach out to me on, on a daily basis who thank me. I'm not, I don't even work for EAU, but they thank me for having EAU there because EAU helped save their life and like nobody knew the difference. You know what I mean? Um, we also have New York Presbyterian Finest Care, which is you go to New York Presbyterian, you just tell them you're a cop. And they don't ask any questions and they, they help you out. Um, obviously, there's the crisis text lines and all sort of stuff. But the main thing that we do now is we are trying to normalize um, seeking doctor care, like psychological care. So the other section of our office, what they do is it's made up. It started with one doctor as our director. And now there's five doctors. There's going to eventually be eight psychologists in our office. And each, they all schedule appointments based on critical incidents that are seen in the street, whether it be 
a dead child, uh, shooting, uh, you know, shooting, you know, an, an MOS involved shooting, something like that. And you get called in on a routine basis. Hey, listen, are you okay? And it's not like, I don't know if anybody here has ever been in firearms discharge before, but when you are, you go down there and they're like, they ask you a bunch of feelings questions on how do you feel that you shot your weapon? Are you, you know, are you ready to return it? Like this type of stuff where they're pretty much looking to cover their ass down there. Right. And that's not what we're looking to do on our end. What we're looking to do on our end is if there is something going on, because these incidents, they affect every single person differently. You know, even if you're a witness to that and you weren't even involved, you could possibly have some kind of psychological trauma that you don't even know. So they, we call you down. Hey, okay. Listen, you don't want to talk now. Talk later. Here's a bunch of resources. See you later. Hopefully, eventually, like that sticks and it becomes normal. And it's just a non pressure situation. That gets you, hey, listen, I just saw a psychologist. It's normal. Everybody in the department has to see a psychologist and they go through a traumatic incident. So hopefully it just becomes a more normalized thing. So those are the two things, main functions that we do in our office. And then obviously I do the physical nutrition part of it where I do physical nutrition counseling. I help redo the precinct gyms. I, uh, I have a fitness ambassador program, which is like the peer support program where people We'll start initiatives and then I reward them with vacation days and, and things like that. Um, wow. I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm just trying to do whatever I can because literally it, it was me and Chris and now it's just me. So it's me and 55,000 NYPD employees. And I'm just trying to do as much as I can. And I'm trying to find as much people to help me as I can. And the only way I have to be able to reward them is through vacation days. It's a system that I set up with through my CEO. I'm like, Listen, we got to get CEO's days and I got to be able to give them out. And he's like, all right, no problem. My CEO, like he's the man. Like if I tell him I want to do something, there is no, no. It's either, okay, let's do it or we'll find out, you know, and that's a good thing about him. And then the other things that we have down in our office, we have a financial guy, right? So we have more than one financial guy who you come down there and you want to know about finances. Let's say you want to invest money for the future. You want to do all this stuff, financial planning, let's say. You're in debt, you want to get out of debt because debt is one of the biggest things when it comes to mental health, especially if you're oh yes. Yeah. They'll work, they'll help you out, they'll work with you, they'll tell you exactly what you do, they'll give you the step-by-step stuff what to do. We have a retirement coordinator who transitions cops into retirement. So this way the transition from uniform life into civilian life isn't as bad. And then we have we have a you know veterans, we do veterans programs and stuff like that. And uh, we right now we have a grant from the David Lynch Foundation where we do transcendental meditation. Uh, we have a bunch of other stuff going on, but that's the main parts of what we do down there. And like, listen, whatever you need help with, if you reach out to me, I will talk to my CEO. My CEO knows pretty much everybody in the department and he can figure it out. Um, pretty much, I work under Deputy Commissioner Employee Relations and underneath us is family assistance. They take care of all the line of duty families. And the injured uh, families, or like if your family member is sick and you need to be reassigned to them for whatever. So I know all those people. If you reach out to me, like, listen, I got a problem. I want to take care of my family member. No problem. I'll, I'll make it happen. If, um, and then EAU, obviously, Papa, we also, we have a liaison under us. And then uh, the chaplains also. The chaplains fall under us. And I have a very good relationship with all the chaplains. And uh, That's a lot great. of moving pieces. Dude. It's, it's a lot of moving pieces. It's a lot of work. Like what people don't realize is like people think I go to work and I work out. Oh yeah, this guy works out the well. He gets to work. We don't even have a gym in my office. 
And uh, if I do get to work out on job time, it's because I'm out at another command doing like outreach or something. And I just happen to be there or I'm happy to help, you know, having to help somebody out or teach somebody at the academy, so, you know, teach a class at the academy. Because as we also do that too. We also run the resilience course where we teach people in high, uh, like impacted units, like special victims, or like, let's say they work in like seven, nine public safety or like commands that see a lot of stuff. And we put them through a resilience course. So pretty much a one day version of the peer support course where we teach them like, listen, the stuff that you guys have been seeing is not normal. Um, here's how to deal with it. And here's some, you know, some ways to, you know, help deal with it, you know? And like, listen, if you don't like it, that there's definitely always people, even when I teach the recruits, I'll teach recruits who have three months in the academy. Listen, they think this stuff is corny sometimes. And listen, sometimes it does sound corny, but I remind them all that like, it, the stuff works. Like you're, and you're gonna need it. You may not, nobody goes into the, the, the job being like, yeah, you know what? In five years, I'm going to plan on killing myself. No, it, it doesn't work like that. Right. So no, you, no. So you have to like, remember these tactics. And when you start to like, look, things get out of control. Like you have to like use these tactics. And I, I think it's good to have a refresher for people who've been in these uh, high impact units to, to have these things. And that's why we give it to recruits now too. We do a program called warrior 21 where it's me and like four other guys. And, uh, I meet with the recruits like once a week in their social science class. And I teach them about resilience tactics. There's like 21 topics, it's 21 weeks. And I teach them about resilience topics and how to stay on top of that. To me, And not only that, like I will, that will be like 10 minutes and then I'll let them ask me whatever questions they have about the job in the next like 15 minutes. So I have a half an hour and like, I'm open and honest them. Like I've, even before this, I've made, I made that, like decision in my mind, like where being honest with people and being, especially like recruits or whoever else, like I'm not going to lie to them about the job. You know what I mean? Like if they ask me a question, I'm going to be honest because if I'm not honest, they're going to find out the truth for the first time. They're going to be like, that motherfucker lied to me. First of all, yeah, yeah. right? Yep, yep. You know what I mean? And like, they need to hear the truth. And if they're starting to deal with it now, the real, how the reality of the job is or that real reality of things are now, they're going to have an easier time dealing with it when they actually have to deal with it. So I don't know. So that's, we do a lot of stuff, man. I, and I'm always running around. I'm not working. I'm very rarely working out on job time. That's why you see me up at four 30 in the morning every day. Yeah, man. I mean, it sounds like you got a, 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 a lot on your plate, man. Um, so I have a rambling uh, on them, but no, nah, no, nah, <laughs> no, but people need to know like what, what resources you guys have because, um, like, I didn't even know you guys taught at the academy. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. You guys going in there talking to the recruits. I mean, right now, uh, for a young guy or, or anybody getting on this job, um, this is a very unique time in, 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 in police work. And I don't, I don't think, like, even us guys who got on, you know, some time ago, um, when we came out, like, you faced certain adversity. But, it, you know, I think life was a little bit simpler back then. You didn't have... Um, social media wasn't as prevalent and you didn't have the, uh, the type of social pressures that are, that, are that, that exists right now. You know what I'm saying? So um, you guys shedding light on some things that could potentially be happening to these, to these uh, recruits when they get on the street. And like you said, you know, and I said this earlier, like you don't pull any punches because there's going to be that one kid or a few guys is going to be like, yeah, you know, that, that dude, Aaron, man, he fucking lied. You know, he said, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was going to be, you know, 
daffodils and daisies when we got out here and it, and instead it was you know the polar opposite so um you know being a straight shooter and, and letting these kids know that hey listen you're gonna go out there you're gonna see some fucked up things it is what it is um you know this is why we're here we're here to you know make sure that you guys are are putting the right practices in motion to keep your you know mind body and spirit and you know whole you know what i'm saying because it is it is extremely violent out there it is you know we we are in a you know, um, adversarial state when it comes to like media and so on and so forth. So it's like, you know, prepping these guys, letting them know that, hey, you guys got to be out here for 20 something years, you know, start putting these practices in in place today, because like you said, you don't, you don't take this job and say, you know, hey, in five years, I'm going to be contemplating taking my own life because there are things that we see on a daily basis that are not normal. And we tend to normalize these things and then before you, you know, before you know it, a loved one or somebody that's close to you will be like, hey, man, you know, if, if they care about you, they'll be like, hey, is everything all right? You know, because we make like, you know, morbid jokes sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying? Like if you got if, if you get three cops sitting down having a conversation and a, a civilian walks by and maybe listens to like them going over a call or, or speaking about something, they'll probably look at you like you have like three or four heads because some of the jokes that we make, uh, you know, it, it's kind of yeah. out there, you know what I'm saying? And, and, but that's just how we normalize things. And, and, you know, I know when I came on, it was like, you know, hey, toughen up, kid, like, you know, dust the dirt off your britches and kind of keep it pushing. But yeah. things have changed, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, your unit and, and, the, and, the, and the things that you guys provide, the services that you guys provide are important. And and I'm, I'm happy that you mentioned the the whole financial part because i feel like that wasn't even a big thing back when we got on you know what i mean like no. you, know, you, you know it's like hey deferred comp kid and you know whatever and then nobody even told you anything but you know as we all know like the cost of living is going up right you know yeah. inflation is, is is through the roof right now so you know i could see somebody kind of buckling under the, the financial stresses of of life so you know the even even you guys providing that service is huge because these kids they don't, you know, they don't, they don't really know. So I think having that, having more guidance is, is probably better for, for these kids that are getting on and even the transition from guys retiring, you know what I mean? Like that's huge. Cause yeah. how many, how many times <clears throat> do you hear a story of, of cops retiring and then subsequently taking their own life? You know, I somehow, you, know. you know, I heard the, num the number. So my inspector always says the number, he said five, Retired NYPD cops a month commit suicide. Oh my I've, god! See, a month. I didn't even know that number until. Uh, I didn't know I that say, like, Yeah, I want to say like two weeks ago he was talking to uh, the resilience training that I do a part of, and he always speaks. And I always happen to miss his presentation usually because I'm in the gym. But yeah. uh, <laughs> he <laughs> he was talking about that, and I was like, well, I'm like, that's crazy. And now you know what you know what I do? I take that. And I tell the recruits that I tell recruits that with three months on, I'm like, you to, no, you don't want to be one of these people who kills himself at the retirement. You don't want to be one yep. of these people. And I tell them about the life expectancy at the retirement being five years, regardless of any cause. And it's because we don't take care of ourselves. We don't take care of our health. Like you don't want to be that those, those people. Yeah, it's funny that that's like a number that, that they, they, they never talk about. They never talk about the retired guy. Everyone tells you, Hey kid, just get to retirement. But they don't talk about, you know, life after retirement. And that's huge, man. Like sustaining, having a sustainable life, you know, 
we don't we don't take this job to do the you know to do the 20 25 years whatever have you so that you can you know not enjoy that you know um you know my dad retired uh 10 years ago 11 years ago now uh, he was on the job and you know it's thriving you know and and i want everybody to kind of experience that i hope he has another 10 in them you know what i mean and you know he did 25 in the city man it's like it's not easy but i always tell guys you know you got to have you got to you got to have something else other than this job you know what i mean like dude, if this if, yeah if this job defines you you need to seriously sit down and look at yourself in the mirror and say hey who am i because if tomorrow you know and I, I know Frank spoke about this too. Like, um, I know, I know uh, Frank had mentioned this on a podcast. It's like, you know, um, if they took your shield away tomorrow, who are you? You know, I, I, well, and, and um, go ahead, bro. I'm sorry. Yo, when I got, when I got jammed up, honestly, that was like the biggest hardship for me. And I tell recruits this, I tell people this every, like all the time, like uh, the job at that point was my whole identity. Like all I wanted to do mm -hmm. was be a cop. So when that got taken away from me, I felt like my life was stolen from me. So like, yeah. if you don't, and it wasn't until that point that I realized like I became like suicidal over having my gun and shield taken from me. If I didn't have my, if I had my guns, like I honestly genuinely don't know what I would have done, but I definitely contemplated for sure killing myself. Like I, and it was a very, very serious, tough time for me to realize that like my mistakes in making it my whole entire identity and not having an outlet and not doing anything other than having the job and not prioritizing my health and my family. And then from then on out, like I realized what the true important things were like being a cop is great. Uh, doing your job well is awesome. Enjoying it is great. But if you don't have something else other besides that, you're setting yourself up for serious failure, especially if something happens to you, like your shield get taken from you. Or if you come upon retirement and you don't know anything else, then you retire and then you don't have that shield anymore. And now your identity is gone. And that's exactly what happened with Chief Silks, man. Chief, he didn't know what to do besides be a cop. You know, it's sad. And he was a great yeah. person. I know him. Like, I knew him. I had to go see him twice. But, um, and both times, he was, a, he was a great guy, man. I mean, it's just very sad. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's super unfortunate. Frank, I see the wheels turning. You got something you want to drop in there? Yeah, there's a few things. Uh, one, first, Aaron, thanks for sharing what you just shared, man. You know, because I don't know, probably a lot of listeners don't know that. I and mean, it takes a lot of courage and strength to share that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to rewind it a little bit back because what you just said, you know, kind of triggered something in my, in my mind is if I think a lot of guys and girls need to accept that it's okay. Like if you are one, if you are having suicidal ideations, if you are having suicidal thoughts, and if you're at that point where you have a plan, like that's, you got to say to yourself, that's okay. But I need to say, and I got to say something because, you know, when you make that choice, there's no going back. This is not a video game where we, we get to spawn over and over again. It's, you know, mm -hmm. the ultimate choice. Um, you know, if you really dislike yourself that much right now and you're really upset, okay, but you have to remember about the, the amount of trauma and things and memories and the effect of people you're gonna have, the effect you're gonna have on your friends and family around you, your coworkers, um, and you don't want to be, you you just don't want to do that to them. It's one of the things that people are never ever gonna be able to let go. It's very it's very tough, and I experienced it with uh, you know one of my own family members actually, unfortunately, this past year. But if 
some if somebody what I'm trying to say is that if you are suicidal, it's okay. And it's okay to ask for help. And the reason why your gun and chill gets taken away because our brain and our actions are so impulsive. We think so irrational that, you know, you might not be right now having a plan, but it could be in three hours, right? And it doesn't mean that you're not a cop forever. You work on yourself and hell, it happened to me. And I'm very proud of the person that I, that I have become, but it doesn't mean that you're going to lose your job instantly. And I am a living example of that, you know, you know, I fight every single day. Um, and Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, I want to throw this question at you. Let's say I come to you and I say I'm depressed or I'm going through relationship difficulties right now and I'm just not right. feeling myself, you know, that doesn't mean your gun and shield is, is being taken away. If you are suicidal, I think your gun your gun has to be taken away because it has to protect you. And ultimately, we're all going uh, adults here. If you want to take your own life, there's always different options to take your own life. It's not just the gun, but just having it out of the room, having it out of your hands, it's going to make that decision, I think, a lot tougher. But just because you're feeling down and it could be a week spurt, it could be a few months, you might not be suicidal, but you might just be so depressed. You're just going to bed. I mean, you're just going to work, getting out of bed. That's it. You stop going to the gym. You can't even function or anything. It doesn't mean your gun and shield is going to be taken away. So. Aaron, if you can kind of hit on that, if someone comes to you saying they're feeling depressed, they want to talk to somebody, but but they're scared because you're going to get their stuff taken away. Or maybe they tell you, hey, I'm talking to someone on the side and I got, uh, you know, they they diagnosed me with depression, anxiety. Kind of like what's that route if someone's kind of thinking of wanting to come and, and talk to you guys? First of all, my position is very unique in the fact that, like, even when my job, my nine to five, whatever stops, I still talk to people every day, all day, through social media, through text message, through direct message. People hit me up like almost 24 hours a day, right? And they hit me up with stuff like that. Like, I'm depressed. I feel this way. Do you know a therapist here? Do you know a therapist there? Whatever. Dude, let me tell you something. Nothing that is ever said to me will ever be said to anybody because I know what it was like for me personally going through it and thinking that I had nobody to talk to that I would never put anybody else in that position. But I can tell you specifically, very few people in comparison, I mean, it's one of those things where you can't really discuss the numbers with people or specific you know, success cases because you can't out anybody's identity and all this other stuff, you know what I mean? It's, it's confidential. So there's nobody, unless they're out on the sidelines, singing our praises or singing EAU's praises on like what they did themselves. We're never going to tell anybody that that was successful because that's fucked up. That's not what we do, you know, yeah. but I can tell you this like without a doubt, the amount of people that come to EAU, I think there's something like 10,000 calls a year, man. All right. And think about wow. how many people, yeah. Think about how many people uh, actually lose their gun and shield because, well, you know, nowadays they're just, they're done because they are suicidal. There's only two reasons, and they will say this to your face, that they will try to take your gun from you, is if you tell them that you committed a crime, which, like, let's be real here, we're cops, if you committed a crime, then, you know. Rightfully so. Right. And the other one is if you're like, I'm going to kill myself right now. They're going to try and get you help, and they're going to make sure that you don't have access to kill yourself. Other than that, 
if you're like, listen, I'm depressed, I feel this type of way, blah, 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 they're going to get you help. And they're not going to tell a single person. Like, listen, all I'm going to say, I, I can't really go into it, is there's so many things that go on in my office that like I'm genuinely blown away by the, the, the way that care goes on there. I, I think that other cops will be blown away there too. I'm not going to talk about it on a podcast. If, if you want to come to me individually, I'll be glad to tell you. It's just one of those things where like, I don't know if, if what even goes on there is like really like, I don't know, but it's, they care, right? So they're, they try to do whatever they possibly can to avoid the situation of taking somebody's gun and shield and ruining their life. Like there are hardship transfers that go on that like, you like, listen, there's so much stuff that goes on there because they care about people. Like it's just bizarre. And the, the half the problem is that me, myself, like I said, five years ago, you listen to the miserable cop next to you and you're like, fuck, job sucks. They don't do anything for you. They don't care about this stuff, blah, 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 all this stuff. But like being there firsthand to witness what actually goes on most, I want to say like 99.9% of the time is like, honestly, it's like, it's amazing. You know, obviously there's these 1% of cases that suck. And like, but I mean, hopefully we can fix those too, you know? That's the name of the game, right? You know, just to yeah. um, provide provide the resources, yeah. and um, like not everybody could be saved, and that's the un- you know it's an unfortunate fact. But the fact that um, that they have the resources and they have people they could go to, and and that you know it is a you know there's a confidentiality clause that's in there that is huge because that is a big stigma that a lot of us are terrified of. You know, it's just getting that you know being modified. You know what I mean, yeah. like. It's, it's, uh, you know, I've been there before and, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's not something that, uh, it's weird because like when you start your career, you don't think about that, like getting jammed up, you don't you know, you don't think about that, but, um, you know, it's a reality for some of us, you know, and it's a day of reckoning for, for, for most, you know, it's like, all right, what am I going to do now? Like, what's the when next move? Yeah. When am I? And, you know, it's crazy because I I remember when I first when I first became a cop I just embedded myself in the job, you know what I mean? And it was like, all right, well this is what you got to do to be a cop. You got to go out there, you got to be active, you got to do this, you got to do that. I went out there and did it. And then you know when when I had my little running, um, you know, and you kind of sit there and it's like, all right, well, damn, like you know what am I gonna do now? And um, you know I started to you know think back like what what really makes me happy, right? And I was like, I right, you know, moving my body, you know, doing physical, you know, physical fitness. Like, you know, I, I find myself the most happiest when I'm, when I'm, you know, moving my body and, and helping others, you know? So I try to, I found like a healthy medium in, in between and that, and then that's how I kind of got my thing going. And, and, um, that literally saved my life, you know, five, six years ago, I wasn't in a really good like space, you know? So I had to like figure out, you know, what makes Jason happy. Right. So what, what are the things that, you know, if you simplified life, right? What is, you know, what is something that makes, you know, Frank happy? What is something that makes Aaron happy? Once you, once you figure that out, you could kind of go from there. You know what I'm saying? And and I feel like as a cop, it's like, who do you go to for help? Because the first thing you think about is that that gun and shield getting taken. Yeah. So I'm happy. I'm happy that we, we have a we have a place where guys can go to. And I have to think about that. Like, that's not the automatic. 
hey, we're going to take your gun and your shield. Right. Because that, that'll that have you in no man's land, man. And and um, I think a lot of cops need to hear that because we got to, I get a lot of young guys that like hit me up in my DM and they're like, you know, very supportive of what we're doing here for, for reps, for responders. And, um, you know, they ask a lot of questions. There's a few guys that have hit me up before they got into the academy that are now in this graduating class that's come out. And, you know, they're very grateful for the, like, the, the insight and information that we give these guys, that we give these guys. So the fact that, you know, they know that they have a place, if ever, they need to right. turn to somebody that they're not going to be ostracized and gonna, they're not going to have their gun taken away or they, they you know, their, their, their gun and shield taken away, you know? So um, thank you for clearing that up because I think that's, that is a huge thing for, for a lot of us is like, Hey, am I going to get jammed up? Are they going to tuck me away somewhere and I'm going to be off the road for whatever amount of time, you know, in, in purgatory. I know that, in and, purgatory. I, and I just want to say one thing is like, to everybody listening out there, there's this thing in the job that for some reason people, I guess it's because we're cops and like chain of command, all this shit. We constantly wait for the job to tell us that it's okay to do something. Listen, if you go to the doctor, do you ask the job to go to the doctor to get a physical? No, you do not need to ask the job to go to see a therapist. You don't, you don't. You have insurance. Your insurance covers it. You can go see that. Cool. You can go see just go, just fucking yeah. do it. If you feel like you need to do it, just do it. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. And no one will ever know unless right. you no one will ever know. Yeah. Open your mouth. Said told somebody. Right. No one will ever know. Yeah. And yeah, I did that. You know, I like yeah. I was having some some you know some thoughts, and I was just saying, hey, man, I need to speak to somebody. And <laughs> you know, it worked. For, it worked for the best, bro. Like, you know, I. I, I, I I go go ahead, Frank. Like, no, I firmly believe you said it. Like, I think there's just no, this is the labyrinth, baby. This is it, the mentor. I don't, I think there's just no escaping it. Like be, going through that and being depressed and anxious and different feelings, like that's just part of life. Like I think every, yeah. every human suffers depression in their life. Like not even talk about a cop, talk about a loss and things like that. But it's how we handle it. How are we going to, you know, make sure it doesn't take over us. And I really think it's, and one of the other statistics is one in four to one in five police officers have a suicidal ideation in their lifetime. And I think we kind of hit that. I kind of heard that. Like, you know, Aaron just said five, you know, unfortunately five guys lose their life that have retired. And it's like, you know, it's just a lot more common than we think. And I think another factor, and you guys could probably agree, is people don't want to say anything because they're afraid of, what they're gonna, what that, what the, what the locker room is gonna say, the locker room talk, all that bullshit. And I was one of those guys. But then I realized how many people actually had my back. And then it's the guys that are saying stuff that don't even know you, that are posting something that, you know, and they're probably going out to the bar and doing the four to fours. And that's the thing. You have to give yourself time to, you know, you go out after work and you're out with the guys and girls or the guys or whatever. And what do you talk about? The job. Then you go home, and I said this before, you go home, you fall asleep, you wake up, and it's just a it's a door that never closes. All you do is mm -hmm. talk about the job. And it's like, can you separate yourself for like, you know, two weeks from that? I tell people, if they don't know they have a drinking problem or they think they do and they're not sure, I'm like, can you give up drinking for 30 days? I just want 30 days. Can you do that? Can you even give it up for a week, you know, and see how your life, how, how your mental and physical state is? If you 
can't give up drinking for 30 days. I can never tell anyone they're an alcoholic or they have alcohol use disorder. Never. The only drunk I know for a fact is myself, right? I'm proud of it. But I can never call Aaron or Jason, you know, an, an alcoholic or alcohol use disorder now. The only person that can is themselves. And Jay, you said it before, perfect, man. You can't save everybody. And I think that too, as cops, okay. when we're on the job, when we're, when we're responding to jobs, when we're doing, uh, when we have our own family things to go through in lives and coworkers is that the only thing we can control is what comes out of our mouth and the actions that we take. And sometimes that's actually very hard to do, but we can't save everybody, but we can give suggestions. And that's really the best thing that we can do. Um, I just think the less, the less we think about what other people think about us, that it's not a fact or it's not real. You know, it's, and I know a lot of cops give a lot of power to that. Is what are they going to think about me? and X, Y, and Z, but I don't know if you guys have the same opinion on that, or I think, I personally think now, I don't have that much time on, I'll have six and a half years in January. I think it's getting a little better though, when like someone asks for help, people say, we're proud of you and things like that, you know, I'm not too sure what you guys see now or what you guys think, but kind of throw that out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I never really cared um, what anybody else thought or said. I just, I'm more concerned about the guys that I work with. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a super observant guy. Like I can, you know, and I pick up on energy quick, you know? So if, if I, if I'm on a call, like I, I was on a call last January and um, it was a horrific call, bro. Like, you know, you know, MBA, you know, uh, multiple fatalities. And, um, you know, I think it was the first time in my like, 15 year career where someone was like, yo, Jay, you good, bro? No one has ever asked me that, like ever, you know? And, and, and then I noticed like, you know, there were a few guys that were on that scene. And then I remember like a couple of days went by and I'm, you know, I'm walking through the locker room and I'm seeing, I'm seeing these guys and like, they're not the same dude, you know? So it's my job, right. As a, not even as a cop, but as a good human being, it's like, yo, bro, are you all right, dude? Like, I notice you're not your jovial self. I mean, everybody knows me. I'm this like happy go lucky, like super out outgoing, grateful to be alive type of person. So if you see me with a little bit less pep in my step, everyone's like, yo, Jay, you good? Like, are you all right? So, so it's my job to return that. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm walking through the locker room and I know, you know, my boy such and such is, is, is not really himself. I got, it's my job to make sure that he's okay. So, just ask. And I'm not saying just ask to ask. Don't go through the motions, bro. Like, really ask. Hey, bro, how's your spirit? How you feeling? Are you all right? You need to talk to somebody. You don't really seem like yourself. Because that, just that one question may get him to open up or her to open up. You know, try not to walk by people and, and you know, bypass them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know you know these people. You, you're with them every single day, right? You, you, you know their mannerisms. You know how they are. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt to be a human being and ask. I mean, Anyone it's that simple. It. Anybody can do it. And like, anybody can do it there, for the cops and the first responders that do the right thing, like both of you, that don't just talk the talk, but you walk the walk. The walk and the walk. Leaders yeah. out there that you know, you're you're the guy in your command that you know is a workout guy, or you back people up in jobs, or you do the right thing, or always say, hey, you know. You need help with this collar, or do you have anything? Those people, and you, and you keep saying that out loud. I think cops are gonna 
trust more. You know, anyone can say it. But if you are that person and you don't do that, you know, um, I think on a low key, like the high school level scale, like some cops probably do look up the confidence in it. Oh, you know, especially yeah. the new guys, Aaron, that are coming out that you guys said, Jay, you know, this person is running this sector, doing it his collar, blah, 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 you know. And then people also notice, hey, this guy is a good worker and he's not going out after work with these other guys or, you know, I don't know. People aren't, cops aren't dumb, but if, if you are, uh, well, some are, but if you are, uh, if you are, do, if you are that leader in your command, like take it to the level like, hey, you okay? Like be that person. I talk about this when I talk about leadership all the time is like people are like, they get promoted and they're like, I'm like, you're not the leader of the, the platoon. Like whether, you're, whether you think you are, you're not, you're not. There's going to be cops who are the actual leaders of that platoon. You're just the guy with the stripes who has more responsibility. Those people are the leaders. You know what I mean? Yep. And like, you have to let them flow. You got to let them lead how they lead and whatever else. And you got to fall in line. And even if you're, if that's not at the top of you, who cares? That's that, that it's, it has to get along like that. And those are going to be the, the people who you're going to be your best resources in the platoon as the supervisor, because they are going to give you the real shit how it really is on what's really going on with people in your squad. And if you're a fucking dick of a supervisor, I got to tell you right now, they're not going to want to talk to you. All right. They're going to, you know what I'm saying? And like, I always say this like all the time is like you, like when you become a supervisor of police, you really have to humble yourself and understand who the players are and what their roles are. And I'm not talking about like what their sector is. I'm talking about like what their social role is in their role platoon. Is. And that's the one of the most important things that I think is so left out of leadership training and leadership school is that, yeah, okay, good. You got promoted, but this command and this platoon ran before you got here and it's going to run after you get here and it's going to have nothing to do with you. And you got to figure out how the hell that's going on and uh, let, let your people, let your people roll. You know what I mean? And that's how you're going to figure out the best relationships with your people, with your people and like, you know, what's going on with them. That was a fucking powerful statement, bro. I think a lot of bosses don't understand that, you know, like that is huge. Yeah. Like understanding what their role is, because like you said, you're just a cog in a machine, man. Like it was running before you got here. It'll run long after you leave. So you got to yeah. figure out, you know, what, you know, what, uh, what pocket you trying to fit in, you know, you got to let your guys be your guys and yeah. go from there. And it's, you know, like you said, you got to humble yourself, but some guys come in and they want to, you know, they want to reinvent the wheel. It don't really happen like that, you know? Yeah. It, it, it was in existence long before you were around, kid. But, <laughs> you know, some guys try to come in and change things, and you can't, you know? You just kind of got to figure it out. And just based on those relationships, like, you'll figure out who the person is in the squad or who the person is that the other people are going to turn to if they have problems, if they have issues. And those are the people that you want to elevate to positions like this, like peer support. And unfortunately... Like when it comes on my end, listen, I work in a building and like I take whoever wants to do the position has to do, wants to do it. If I hear later that they're terrible at it, I mean, don't go to that person. That's what we have. The, this is another thing. We have an app on the phone, on the NYPD phone where every single per peer support officer in the entire city is listed there. So if yours sucks and you hate them and trust me, it happens. And there are peer support officers who I have personally let go from the program, okay? Um, find somebody you like that you can talk to, that you identify with, that even if it's me, like seriously, 
I, if you don't like anybody else and you're like, I don't know what any of these people are, like, I, this is the whole reason I put my whole shit out there and I have no secrets is because I want you to feel comfortable talking to me about anything. Like, you know what I've been through, you know what I've done, all this shit. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to anybody else, you could come to me and I promise you that I will fucking not tell a single fucking person because, like, I will take it to the grave or I will let them fire me from this department before I uh, tell anybody anything. So, and there's plenty of other people out there like that. I know, Frank, you too, man. You know, I'm trying to get you in this list, in this next peer support class, but it's canceled because of COVID, you know, but. Um, COVID. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that until, until uh, someone, Big B, Big Brad, yeah. another big help, uh, reached out and told me yesterday. I was going to ask you after the, uh, after the meeting with the cats of the bag. So that's it, huh? They're still in all classes until, until the next, you know, till the next time. I mean, it sucks. And this is, honestly, this is what happened like a lot, like over the, the last year. Like, oh, we're having a class. No, we're not having a class. Like, it, it's... And, the, and I'll tell you about the training. Like, it's not a training you can do via Zoom. It just doesn't work. It, it doesn't. It's got to be done. Yeah, it has to be like, yeah, it's got to be done in person, man. There's certain things you just can't do in Zoom, man. It's Zoom is not the, the, the answer, you know? Like, yeah. It, um, it, it's unfortunate that, like, because every so many months, is, you know, stuff's going to kick up, especially now, too, because we're, like, in the heart of the winter. And yeah. right now, like, you know, we ain't even hit, like, the real cold months yet. It hasn't been any, like, super 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 cold weather yet once that hits because right now everybody's got covid so it's like um once the weather really breaks and like the flu hits and all that shit starts to get all mixed up i think we're really going to be uh in a bad spot because they're going to like lock a lot of things down man um, it's coming. Yeah, yeah it's coming dude it's coming it's coming it's only a matter of time it's here you know it's here yeah right you know it's like a new variant comes out and then numbers start to spike. And then next, you know, if they're shutting down Radio City Music Hall and, and places like that, you already know, it, you know, we're next in line for something. So, yeah. you know, I always tell people just buckle up and, and uh, you know, bear down because something's coming, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, oh, it's my bad. No, no, go ahead, bro. Yo, one thing I wanted to circle back to is like, Jay, as you were talking, and then you went, Frank, yo, how crazy is it, right? And I tell this pe people this all the time, is like, yo, you have me, who I went through my own shit, where I thought the job was my identity, and I went through this crisis on the job where I realized what was important, and I'm better now. You too, Jay, you too, Frank. Like, how crazy is that? Like, where that one thing where you think, like, getting, like, jammed up or getting in trouble with the job is going to be the fucking absolute worst thing that happened to you. And at the time, it is. It, it think is about it. how much Think about how much better that made you as a fucking person. And I, oh, 1, I remember, and I remember when I sat in my car interview to get promoted, it was Shay. He was a chief then. It was uh, Chief Waters, who's retired. And there was uh, the chief who died of COVID. <coughs> Chief Morris, and I told him that, and they're like, "Oh, you know, whatever." I'm like, honestly, getting jammed up was the best thing that happened to me. And Shay looks at me and goes, "Nobody usually says that." I'm like, "It's true." I'm like, "It changed my whole entire life," you know. And I told them like pretty much the whole shit, you know. And they were like, "That's that's a great story," but like, it's true, man. You know, like, don't be afraid of it. Mind. You just read my mind. I was gonna bring this topic up, man. And wow, <laughs> I say, you know getting sober was, you know, I can't believe, you know, now looking back at it, I'm like, how this is going to be very 
very uh, vulgar, but it was it's real. Like I can't believe I thought about blowing my brains off, and now look at me. I'm like the happiest, so luckiest, like you know, Frankie, Frankie B in the room. You know, like I can't, and it shows that it's possible. Like how dark it can get, and you know, this is what the labyrinth is, is all about, baby. Going back and, and and traveling through, and it's like I'm so happy that it happened. I am because now, let's say, unfortunately, the job like Frank, you know, you're a good guy, but you know, it's just not going to work out, and you know. You sorry, you know, we got to let go of you, and I'll be like, okay. You know, I yeah. know I don't have to lie to myself anymore. I know what what triggers me. I know my ups and downs. You know, I can have a beautiful fiance, have good friends, you know, have two, you know, guys, you two here, right, that are my friends that what we might have hung out like 10 times total in real life, but I know if I call you guys, you guys would pick up. Like, it's going to be okay. Like the, this is not my life. It's part of my life. It's not my life. And I think a lot of people don't realize too, like they'll hit one responder talk meeting or the, and they're like, you know what? I, I'm cured now. I'm good. Thank you so much. And then it's like someone comes back three, four months ago, you know, people don't understand like this is a fucking everyday thing that you have to work in consistently, just like the gym, just like your nutrition. And it's every single day. And, and like, that's okay. You have to accept that because if you are, comfortable for a little bit that's when the, that voice starts creeping in like frank come on yep man. you know one one uh one jose shot won't kill you come on man just one one butt heavy you know just like what you know and, and that's like the stuff that's gonna happen to you you know or it's like you know the, uh, you know just you know one tinder swipe for people that have you know things like that you know like you just go on and on about anything but yeah. i think aaron you know I, I like what's it's an everyday battle for you too, you know, because here you are, you know, you look great, you work out hard, but it's like, you know, you you lost a lot of weight, but you have to put it, what the question I'm trying to say is like, you have to put in the work every single day, right? Like, kind of like, give us a little bit about your routine and for the listeners that maybe there are people struggling with losing weight, or maybe there's people that um, have lost a lot of weight, and now they're kind of like, all right, maybe they're getting a little comfortable. Maybe they're kind of like falling off the plan a little bit, which is okay. But then it comes to a point where like, and you made a post like the other day, it was great. Like Christmas Eve and Christmas and New Year's, like it's all right to just go off and eat whatever. Like it's not, it's, it's right now it's not the time. Like, no, like it's, it's not the time. Yeah. But like your routine of like, cause it's not, it's hard. Losing, it's like for me, thinking, not drinking is the easy part. It's dealing with how you felt and acted for the life that you were drinking and how to deal with it and it's probably like losing the weight i think is not the easy part it's once you lose the weight it's good but then it's building the muscle but then keeping that weight from not coming back so kind of like what's your routine for the listeners that are kind of going through maybe like a little similar story of what you do and kind of like you know if your meal prep your gym i know you like to enjoy you know some snacks and stuff like that which is great and that's okay more than okay um what i do is like so first of all, let's just call, I'm going to just call square shit right here. I'm up like 20 pounds right now. Okay. And I say that because there are certain times, especially like around the holidays between like whatever, where I will just relax for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I got to relax. I want to enjoy myself. Plus like I have my wife's birthday. I have my son's birthday. I have Thanksgiving. I have Christmas. This is all like back to back to back. 
And listen, I'll still go hard in the gym and I'll still work. And during the week, when I'm not celebrating any of these things is when I will, I'll still diet. I'll still keep my nutrition plan, but I still want to take time to celebrate these things. Right. And when, where people fail, I feel, especially me in the past is they try to restrict themselves all day, every day, and they over restrict themselves and they're not enjoying themselves at all. And then they wind up burning out completely and binging, right? So these couple weeks right here, this is always like a reset for me where I'm like, all right, I enjoyed myself. Now it's back to the work. You know what I mean? But I never stopped working hard in the gym. And but and I never stopped eating correctly during like the week when I'm not celebrating, right? So what I do typically, if I don't have the opportunity to work out uh, at work, which is most of the time I don't, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I hate it. I absolutely hate waking up at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, it's something that I'll never get over, especially in the winter time when it's freezing cold out and I don't want to get up. But if I don't get up at 4.30 in the morning, I'm not going to see my kids when I come home from work. You know what I mean? Because then I would have to work out when I get home from work. So I'm, I'm sacrificing that sleep so I can get up. I eat a meal, whether it be a protein shake or something quick, head to the gym, work out, get on the train, come to work. Uh, and then I work and then I go home and then I, you know, do my thing and I hang out with my family and I sleep and I do whatever else I have to do, like, whether it be like for my personal stuff or whatever, but, um, you have to create a sustainable system for you, you know, whatever it looks like for you, for me, like, I didn't start out getting up at 4.30 in the morning, all right? I started out finding time when I could to realistically put in a workout, right? And if you don't find a realistic time when you're going to do it, you're already going to be forcing yourself to do something that you don't want to do. And you're going to convince yourself in your brain that you absolutely hate it. While you're doing it, you're going to tell yourself that you hate it. And when you're done, you're going to be like, that sucked. So you know what you did? You just rewired your entire brain to tell yourself that working out sucks this is miserable and I don't want to fucking do it. So then how much of that do you think that your brain can stand before it's like, fuck this, I'm not doing it anymore. No, you got to try to make it as sustainable as possible at first and then slowly make it more uncomfortable for yourself. And eventually it won't even matter when you do it or how long you do it. Um, if it'll be something you enjoy, you know? Um, and that's what worked. That's how I started. I just, made it comfortable itself for myself when I could do it. And then I do it now at four 30 in the morning because I, that's when I have to do it, but I get it done. Same thing when it comes to eating. Right. Um, I think people overcomplicate shit, you know, and the internet is a main driver in this is uh, what me and Chris would say to people, right. We're not physique. If you want to be a physique competitor, I, I, I can't give you advice because I'm not a physique competitor. You know what I mean? But I can give you advice as somebody who wants to live a healthier lifestyle and lose fat. So pick one meal a day that you want to eat. That, let's say it's dinner, right? That you want to enjoy, right? Let's say it's a hamburger and fries, right? Good. Budget the rest of your day around that. That's it. Just make the other Makes meals, sense. just make the other meals less enjoyable than that one. You know, the problem is, is like people want every meal to be the best meal they ever fucking ate in their life. And it, it just, that's not <laughs> That's not sustainable. You know what I mean? But if you have one good meal a day that you look forward to, or even if you have 
me, what I like to do is I restrict myself super strict. And listen, this is like against any, everybody be like, oh, cheat meals or whatever. Listen, I'm telling you right now what works for me and what has worked for me is the driving force in my mind is like, if I torture myself, not torture myself, but if I restrict myself during the week to a certain point, I can eat pizza on Saturday or I can eat cheeseburgers on Saturday. That works for me mentally. And then I go right back to doing it. All right. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody has the off switch. I talked to a lot of my clients don't have the off switch. Once they have a cheat meal, it turns into a cheat week. I'm not like that. Like if I have a cheat meal, I'm like, all right, I'm good now. I get back on it. And it's always worked for me. It's like a reward system. I mean, depending on certain circle, like body positivity circles, they'll be like, that's an eating disorder or whatever. I don't give a fuck because it's, it's something that's mentally helped me to get to where I'm at now and to become the person that I am. So, and everybody's going to have a different system. You know, there's some people who want to eat more calories or, you know, during every single day, me, I'm the type of person where I can eat grilled. I can eat fucking five meals of grilled chicken with no and broccoli during the weekday. No problem. I, I don't need shit during the week, but if like on that Saturday, I want to eat pizza, man. And that, that, that is what it is. Have a couple, have a couple beers, if you will, whatever. Sacrificing a little bit for the greater good. And you have, you our have buddy, to. Our boy Stan Efferding or the Bells would say, the cheeseburger is, is is great. And you know what kind of beef you get and the cheese, okay. But it's like, all right, if you want to have that, maybe just give up the bun for for that meal and then have the fries, or don't have the fries and have the burger. Like that's not that's not bad at all. It's just having it every single day to the point where what are you doing to burn the other calories and how's it <clears throat> affecting your mental how do you Danny Danny Tashi who helps with reps a big help is like how do you feel after each meal? Like what's your mental state like what's your stomach telling you? You know what I mean? Like being aware of the food you're putting into your body. Like how do you really feel after this meal? I think people people don't realize how food affects your mood, man. Like, and I can tell you this like firsthand, like if I'm eating clean, if I'm good, if I have a cheat meal or something, like I literally get like anxiety. Like if I eat like shitty, like I literally feel like on edge. It's like the most fucked up thing. And I'm sure like a lot of people get that. Like I'm the same way. Bro, it's fucking wild. And like, think about it. You Now, if you're eating like that consistently, you don't realize how much, on edge you are on a current on a consistent basis to the point where like you're you know you're spiking all your hormone levels all this stuff where like you're completely you're a completely different person mm-hmm. i'm the same they, way they talk yeah. about yeah i have a question for EJ about you switch to more like plant-based right like what was the reason yeah. behind that and how's that going for you and and again not which worked for Jay might not work for Frank and what works for Aaron might not work for, for Jay. But, you know, if that lifestyle works, you know, Jason, Jason wants to eat, you know, strings of grass all day, every day, like, like, you know, I'm, and it makes him a better human being. Like Jason said, well, I'm, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Oh, hell yeah. You have, hell yeah. If you want to have a beer or two every night before bed and, and you're not hurting anybody or, you know, you know, disturbing anyone's peace, like, go, go ahead. I'm, I'm all for it. Good for you. You know? Yeah. I mean, like I said, like, like, like Aaron said, everything, um, like everything is not for everybody. Right. So, you know, I had to figure out something that worked for me. Right. So I was like, wanted to try something different. Um, had a 
conversation with a friend of mine and was like, hey, yo, like, you know, what's your, what's your eating habits like? And I was, at that time, I was tracking my macros like crazy. So I was, you know, um, basically like, it was like a flexible diet. Like if it fit, I just kind of threw it in there. So if I had to, you know, crush like three Oreos and whatever to make it fit, that's what I did. But, um, you know, I was had a conversation with a good friend of mine one day and he said, yo, why don't you try this, you know, plant-based stuff out? I was like, all right, cool. You know, I tried it out for like 72 hours and I noticed the difference right away. Um, but I knew like there had to be a little bit of room for play. Right. So it was like a, like maybe like a year strict. And then after that, it was like more of a vegetarian type of style of, of eating. And, um, and basically it was like intermittent fasting with just like, um, you know, some plant-based meals. Um, occasionally like I would throw in like, uh, if I was low on protein, I'd throw in like those liquid egg whites or something like that. So, um, but I'm like the same way. Like I would basically pick a meal like once a day that I would like truly enjoy. And then I would work my shit around it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, I love that you said like people want to make every meal taste like, you know, the greatest meal ever. But it, it, in reality, it can't be like that. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm eating for function and purpose, you know, yes. you know, you know, the things in life that taste the, the, the greatest aren't always the best for us, right? especially some of us who like, I mean, I love food, right? So, you know, I got to kind of pick and choose my battles, you know, um, if I want to function in a, in a, in, in a, in a high capacity, right? I got to make sure that I'm putting the right shit in my body to make sure that I, I'm able to do that. So, you know, yeah, I want to eat whatever, but I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm older. I got to make sure that like, you know, my metabolism is as, isn't as fast as it was when I was like 26, you know, like, so I just got to pay attention to those type of things. And I'm one of those guys, like I could pack on weight, like it's nobody's business. So, you know, for me to stay within like that 210 to like 215 pound range, I got to make sure I'm eating within this, you know, within this window, you know, so I, I figured out what my, my base metabolic rate was. And I kind of just built around that, you know, and then, you know, um, the fasting kind of puts me in a little bit of a deficit. So that's why I would have like a nice cheat meal or something like on a Saturday or a Sunday is basically I would just restrict, restrict, restrict. And then when it was time to like throw down, I could have a nice, you know, like meal on a Saturday or a Sunday while I'm watching football. That's so what's up, man. I, that's, that's yeah. what's up. That's great. Uh, so that's why, like, I'm a big fan of that, you know, like, like, a, you know, because when you started talking, it's just like kind of rung off in my head right there. It's like, I'm one of those guys, like I, everything has to have a little bit of play just so I can make sure that I'm kind of staying in the, in, in the balance, you know, but, you know, I, I like that you said, you have to find something that works for you. So those people who are out there struggling with whatever, um, especially when it comes to eating, figure out what works for you. And then you, you know, you got to build around that. And that's what I did. And it kind of, it's, it's worked out for the best. I think I'm the strongest, uh, healthiest, probably the fittest I've been in my entire life right yeah. now so you know and i'm not no spring chicken so you know it's working so yeah yo wow. for real you you gotta find out like what works for you whether it be nutrition or fitness related like don't listen to just one source of information when you do any of this the, the most important thing to do if you're trying to start a fitness journey is just start some shit just start eating better whatever and then try to figure it out as you go it's going to be as a, you go. Like, yep. yeah it's going to be a get like a lot of guesswork and experimentation and all this stuff. You have to figure it out as you go. And like people think that I subscribe, like, 
I'll tell you what I do. I will never be like, this is the best diet plan. This is the best workout plan. No, I don't do that. And I hate when people on social media and the internet do that because it's not the best. You know, this, these aren't the best supplements. These aren't the best diet. This isn't the best diet. This isn't the best workout. This is what I do. And this is what has helped me. Hey, maybe if you do this, it would help you. But I know that that's probably not the optimal thing for you. You're going to have to try and figure that out, whatever it is on your own, whether it be plant-based or like, let's say you do some crazy carnivore diet, whatever it is that you do, or whether you do CrossFit or bodybuilding or, you know, any other type of workout, powerlifting, whatever it is, whatever works for you is that that's what you're going to have to do. And people get so caught up in listening to one source of information and not self-discovery. And I think the most important thing out of any of this is self-discovery that they get caught in somebody else's shit as opposed to figuring out their own shit. Yep. Yeah. Don't get lost in the sauce, people. Yeah. But figure out what works for you. That's it. Frank, you got the wheels turning over there. Yeah. No, I think that was, I think that was perfect. I think that was a, a, a great statement to kind of wrap up the podcast. We're running a little bit over now and now. So, Aaron, I just want to seriously uh, thank you for all the hard work that you do and uh, coming on our show again. I think this was a very much needed conversation and a great way to uh, end the year and to uh, start the year for everyone that's maybe wants to start their journey or maybe that they're going through a hard time and they don't want to say anything, but they know they have to change the way that they are thinking and are feeling and acting for 2022. So uh, I just want to thank you uh, for the work you do and uh, for coming on. Thank you. Anytime, man. You know, I'm always down. You can talk about this for hours. Jay, yeah. you have any, Jay, you have any questions or anything? Do you have any random questions for Aaron you want to ask him? We already asked uh, some of the questions in the past. Nah, man, I kind of know the dude so well, so it's just like, uh, nah, man, I just appreciate the insight that you, you know, you're able to give our listeners, man. Like, like I said, I got a lot of guys that reach out to me, um, asking questions about, like, you know, the health and wellness unit because they they still think I'm part of NYPD. I go, absolutely not, yeah. and I forward them over <laughs> to, where they, to, to where they need to be. But I think people just needed to hear that it was uh, more of a, uh, you know just more so of what you know what the unit does what it consists of and what you can provide so i think you 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 were spot on with that you answered um all the questions man and i feel like if anybody has any questions i think if they listen to this podcast it'll fill in all the holes you know exactly and uh again my name is frank you guys know where to find me at rest underscore four underscore responders with responders.org Inside the Lab podcast on Instagram, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all over. If you don't know where to find it and stuff, we'll send it to you. And Jay, where uh, where can they find you at? Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, the real Jumpman Jay. Actually, um, shameless plug. I'm gonna do it because I can. Um, yeah, hell yeah, I just, I just was on a, a show called The Battle Bunker. It's on. A, it's a yeah. YouTube series. Uh, flew out to uh, L.A. Uh, and uh, film the show with uh, this guy named Austin Alexander. It was cop versus firefighter. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, it's on YouTube right now. Um, and just please check it out. Uh, type in Battle Bunker. You'll see cop versus firefighter. You'll see us up there. Right, and Aaron, where can they find you? 
Uh, huge fat loser on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. I hate Facebook, but I'm not on there. Um, and uh, my website's AaronLoman.com. That's it. Oh yeah, you got any new teas coming or what, bro? I chilled out for Christmas. I did. I did my Christmas stuff, and we'll see what happens in the new year. I don't, I don't know. It's all about time, you know. Like I have a ton of ideas, but just to come down and put like you know, literally ink to shirt is is, is a time consuming. I got you. I got you, bro. Yeah, one day at a time. Are you, you're gonna bring back the uh, the pot the podcast or what? H-M-I? I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna record one right now, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's that called? Where can they find you on that? Oh, it's uh, the Notorious HFL Podcast. And uh, you can find me on Apple, Spotify, whatever. A- anywhere podcasts are found. This one's going to be a good one. I'm, my podcast is completely different. This is this is great. Like, I I just can't. My brain runs differently. Like, I, I couldn't. I don't know how to have guests on. I probably should have guests on. But me, it's literally just me talking for a half an hour about whether it is. I prefer that, though, bro. So, I prefer that. I mean, I feel like anybody who follows you, like that's your authentic self. So they know, right. like, all right, well, Aaron's about to go on, and then here it goes. He's, you know, because you're a straight to, shooter. So about to great. go off right now. Right. About to make it exactly. Real. Yeah. 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 Let's yeah. get it. This one's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be different. It's gonna be something. We'll see what happens. All right, but it's it's gonna be me ranting about the current state of cop culture. Oh yeah. All right. I'm I'm definitely gonna be on that one. I'm gonna be listening <laughs> to that. Cause uh, I got th- I got some thoughts about that, so yeah, can't, I can't wait to listen, bro. It's gonna be a good one. I like it. Well, boys, thank you very much for uh, coming on, Aaron. Thanks again, and everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and hell of a day to have a hell of a day. So, have a good day, everybody. Have a good day. Enjoy. Have a good day, guys. <laughs>